Welcome back to Stat Stories. I'm Chad Shanks. And I am Justin Kabatko. And oh man, has it been a while. <laughs> we, we took a little uh, little 18-month break there, but we are back, baby. I don't know where what Justin's been doing this whole time, but I flagged him down, I got him, we're ready to go, we're ready to dive back into this. Justin, are you ready? Have you missed me? I am ready, and yes, of course I've missed you, Chad. Oh, such such fake enthusiasm. I love it. But before we dive in, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Placeholder. Are you a small stats-based podcast returning from a long hiatus, ready to show potential sponsors that you're ready to monetize? Use Placeholder to illustrate how you'd feature potential advertisers prominently. Placeholder not only gets the job done, it can be easily replaced as soon as something better comes along. So if you want to be the next placeholder, just send us a message on Twitter, me at, Ch- at Chad J. Shanks, or Justin Kabatko at, at J. Kabatko, or message our employer's account at StatMuse. And this opportunity is, again, only made possible by Placeholder. Again, that's Placeholder. It's just a placeholder. So do you think that will actually work? Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> We're going to make that podcast money, baby. Here's looking at you, Casper Mattress. Stamps.com. You guys will advertise on anything. Just throw us a little bit. More one of those like ubiquitous uh, men's health companies that are popping up like uh, Roman or whatever, you know, that will discreetly sell you your uh, your uh, ED drugs. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever the hell it is, Frank Thomas is awkwardly advertising all the time. Eugen- is it called eugenics? I believe that's it, yeah. yeah. The one where he's in the gym and the lady's like, Oh, aren't you Frank Thomas? Oh, Frank Thomas! <laughs> I'm su- I will be such a better pitchman than Frank Thomas, it's not even funny. But let's talk basketball. That's why we're here, right? So I don't want to say it was solely James Harden that made us want to revive this podcast, but when you talk about basketball stats and someone goes on a tear like he's been on lately, it you know it certainly helps. So we're recording this the the morning after he just went off for a career-high 61 points at Madison Square Garden. Also breaking his own Rockets franchise record and making him join Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, MJ, and Elgin Baylor as the only players with multiple 60-point games. On its own, an incredible performance. The best scoring performance of the year and deserves praise. But when you put it on the end of, what's it been, like a month two month streak that he has been on I mean it was I don't know if he can get any better if this was the cherry on the Sunday of the run that he's been on it was a it was a pretty damn good way to close it out but I don't see him stopping I mean Justin what have you thought about what we've seen him do the last few months I mean obviously it's amazing right so it's been 21 straight games now with 30 or more points and Chamberlain is the only guy who's had a longer such streak and I think he's had like three of them so anytime you are uh, in the same sentence as Wilt Chamberlain when it comes to scoring, you know you're doing something right. It's just, yeah, it's just like every day some new fact comes out about Harden and, you know, it's, he's like always the first since Chamberlain to do something. So it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, and, you know, one thing to keep in mind here is that it, this is kind of something he's had to do because Chris Paul, the Rockets' second best player, he hasn't played in like almost a month. And Clint Capella was hurt 
uh, what about a week or two ago, and he's missed, I think, their last six games. And he's probably going to be out three to five more weeks. He's their third best player. So the Rockets are pretty thin right now. And, you know, if Harden does not do what he's doing, they're not in the playoff race anymore. And what's funny is I've seen, like, people say, oh, well, Harden's doing all this stuff now, but he's going to wear himself out and he's going to fail in the postseason once again. And it's like, do you realize if he was not doing this, there would be no playoffs to talk about for that team? So, you know, I, I think there's there's multiple things going on. There's not only the historical aspect, but there's also this, you know, he's single-handedly taking, taking a team in a very tough conference and keeping them afloat in the playoff race. Yeah, he resurrected their season. I mean, their season early on was was DOA. I mean, even before Chris Paul went down, they were they were garbage. They were out of the playoff picture early on, and he has put them on his back. It, and I think the, the problem with the, the Rockets that was exposed early on was this is one of the shallowest teams in the league. I mean, they're, they're very top-heavy with their superstars, but their bench is, was nothing. And then when those superstars go out, those bench players are now their starters. So you have James Harden running out there now with a, uh, a starting lineup that includes Austin Rivers, you know, the always super efficient, you know, great Austin Rivers. Nene, who's well past his prime. Um, they just picked up Kenneth Fareed off the trash heap. And there's guys on there that, that are starting and playing me- meaningful minutes that, honestly, I've never heard of until this season. The guys like Gary Clark, James Nunnally, like these these guys, I have no idea who they are. And Daryl has made Daryl Morey, their general manager, has made it a career of finding these no-name guys and turning them into good, to good players. But Harden is literally a one-man team right now. Like so much so that he's on this insane streak of his points being scored being unassisted. So I think it was he's on this the last like five games he's averaging over 50 points a game so he has like 250 plus points over the last five games none of them have come off an assist like not a single one he's taking everyone off the dribble can i make a a minor nitpick there yeah so it's not just you like a lot of people have said this like you know he's his last 250 points or whatever unassisted my only quibble with that is okay a lot of those are free throws that you can't get assisted points on free throws. So I wish they would just focus on the, the field goals made. So that's like my really like uh, pedantic uh, nitpick there. No, I get uh, that. But well, so the, I have the stat for that. It was he's his last 76 makes over his last five games have been unassisted. Right. I was, looking, I was looking at this the other day. I don't think, I don't think any player like in the last 20 seasons has a streak like that greater than like 42 or something like that. It was Steve Nash, <laughs> the same system actually, right? The identity yeah. system. Um, yeah. Just, just incredible. So yeah. And something else I saw, I think this is from an article from the ringer was talking about how seven out of every eight, three, three pointer he's made this season has been unassisted, which is just shatters any other pre- previous record for that because that's typically a catch-and-shoot type shot, but he is just doing everything off the dribble. So my question for you, kind of in the line of that, him being a one-man team, like, yes, the, the points are incredible. And, hey, they're winning they're winning ball games. I mean, it took they barely beat a decrepit Knicks team by four points, They've, but they had that huge win over the Warriors at Golden State. Um, that went into overtime, and he was he was like God then. But still, like, is this 
is this something we should be celebrating? Like what, the, he what part? Is, like what part? He is, you taking, mean, like the- he is taking ball hoggery to like the, the next level. No, and I'm not. But, yeah, I mean, I think in this case, I think it's fine because, like I said earlier, I don't believe they're going to be winning a lot of these games if he doesn't do this. You know what I mean? Like, is is Austin Rivers going to go out there and get you 20 points every night if you give him the opportunities? Probably not. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 a ball domination like we've never seen before, probably. But again, I, I don't think this team would be in the playoff race if he was not doing this. So, no, no, I don't think it's something we should um, frown upon. I think it's something that should be celebrated. I'm fine doing it. All right, so I'm setting you up because I know you have a well-documented, in our old episodes, a well-documented um, dislike of Mr. Kobe Bryant in his um, in his style of play, um, kind of for the same reasons that he was a shoot first gunner that you know put the ball up, it, disregarding anything else around him, just get his points, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I know they're different situations, but a lot of there's been a lot of comparisons in what Harden's doing now to that we haven't seen stretches like this since Kobe in you know 2006, 2007. Um, when he was on his his tear and Harden has he's averaging 45 points or something a game this month and we haven't seen anyone average 40 in a calendar month with you know a good amount of games played since Kobe in that time so I mean is do you not have the same kind of uh, cringe is you know you're what you think is good basketball when you think of what Harden's doing compared to what how Kobe was playing during that streak yeah, I don't, I don't have to look back. I mean, like, so I know that Harden during this streak is shooting, like, uh, I think, well, this season anyway, he's shooting, like, 54 55% effective field goal percentage, which is decent. <laughs> and given the the volume of shots, given given his usage, it's to me, it's really, really good. I don't know what Kobe's was back in that time. I'd have to look it up. Um, it's not aesthetically pleasing. I think that might have been the biggest thing for me with Kobe is that I just didn't like to watch it. And there were other things about Kobe I didn't particularly like. Um, so I don't know if it was as much the the, the fact that he was doing that. Because, you know, if you look back at those teams, so this was like post-Shaq and pre-Gasol, right? And those Laker teams were not very good. There was not a lot of talent in those teams. And so it was probably a similar situation where if Kobe doesn't do that, that team's probably like in the lottery or something. So, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Like, Because I actually... I, Kind of like Harden, and I'm not really a big Kobe guy, and I think that's more to do with other things than um, what they're doing on the basketball court. Well, and you mentioned that you didn't like to watch it, and that's been one of the critics uh, with Kobe, right? And that's been one of the main criticisms. Well, the same would apply to Harden too. Like, it, yeah, it's the not, Harden haters. Like my my younger son's an NBA fan. He, he hates to watch James Harden. He does not like it. He's like, all he does is stand there and dribble the whole time. It's like. Hard to argue with him, right? That's because that's what the Rockets' offense is really. It's just hard and ISO the whole time. Yeah, he's he's playing one on one against against five defenders. But in watching you know clips from last night's game against the Knicks, like they kept switching off players guarding him. Like Moutier would guard him for a little bit, and then you know whoever else they kept switching off. And I'm watching Harden has the ball on the perimeter, and they're just guarding him one on one. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
Like, leave Austin Rivers. Like, just let him stand under the basket and take your chances and double-team Harden every time he touches the ball. Like, there's there's absolutely no reason anyone should be letting this man go one-on-one against, inf- you know, subpar defenders at this point. So, you know, yeah, part of me was getting frustrated by, by watching that because I'm like, guys, like, this is a... It's not like you you can't put two guys on Steph the whole time because he dumps off to Clay or KD or now oh my God Demarcus Cousins like with the Rockets why aren't teams just shutting this fool down put, throw everything you have at him and let someone else beat you yeah and also I, I, and I don't watch the Rocker, Rockets every single night so maybe teams are doing this but I would target him on defense whoever he's guarding on defense I would be I would be you know or whoever he's guarding I would go to that person all the time if I, if I could. Make him work on defense, tire him out, so that he can't do all that stuff he does on the offensive end. So you mentioned about how Harden's doing it, that he's been remarkably efficient given what he's actually attempting. So like his usage right now, uh, I'm not sure if it went up after last game, but last time I looked it up, is the second highest single season total um, that we have data for behind Westbrook in 16-17. But his effective field goal percentage has remained steady. Um, pretty much in line with what he's had before and just fractional points higher than his highest in a season. Like he's he's scoring more than ever at a more efficient rate than ever. And right, and that's what separates the the like effective role players from the superstars, right? Is that the superstars they can continue to increase their usage and retain most of their efficiency. Whereas a lot of these players, you know, like efficient bench players, if you put them in a starting role and gave them Harden's role, um, their efficiency would just fall off the table probably. So, you know, it's just, that's, once again, that's, that's sort of what separates their, the, the greats from the, from, you know, the solid bench players. So do you think, is there any merit to the criticisms about his style, quote, ruining the game that, you know, the all he is, is he, he's out there finding loopholes in, in, the, in the rules to just draw fouls left and right and his well, one-on-one style it, that is no longer a team game. All these things you see the, the hardened haters write about. I mean, is there any merit to any of that kind of stuff? Well, but the league has already started making adjustments for that, right? Like the rip-through move, which uh, Harden used to use all the time. They, won't, they will not give you... Um, they will not call a shooting foul on that really anymore. So they they are sort of making changes to account for these loopholes that you you um, mentioned that Harden takes advantage of. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know. It, it's it, right now he's the only one really doing this. Right, there's no one else really doing what he's doing. And so I, at this point, and I don't know how many players could do it. So I'm not really concerned that this is going to become some sort of epidemic. I think we're just looking at sort of this freak of nature, if you will, and it, it, it's it's unlikely to be duplicated by another player on another team. Yeah, that's a, the all the criticism about, especially the drawing fouls thing. It, it gets tedious when half the game is everyone standing around just watching him shoot free throws. But why isn't it's it's effective? It's obviously effective. Why is why aren't more players doing it? Why isn't I mean, KD taking his long-ass gangly arms and, you know, running them through the lane like that, trying to, to get to draw contact. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone can do what he does because even when you watch when he 
gets the contact or even if they they back off and doesn't get the contact he contorts his body in such a way to just scoop the ball up and in anyway to where it's just he has defenders in a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because you either you get on him to stop the three and he goes right around you and either gets the foul of the bucket you play back on the drive and he can just take you off the dribble on a three maybe i mean is he is you know this may be sacrilege to say is he even better off the three off the dribble on three than Steph is right now I mean Steph kind of popularized that but Harden is doing it at an insane level I mean what do you no, no, what do no, you do no no shoot, no three-point shooter is better than Steph none off no the way. off the dribble no in any way in any form yeah I di- I but hard yeah and and Harden is just shooting him at an insane insane rate like he he put it up 20 times in his 60 uh, point performance 23s and is now the only player to attempt 20 or more threes in multiple games which i don't i think he's going to just keep adding on to that because the he was just frankenstein's monster created in a lab to run daryl morey's system and well, mike d'antoni's is, system not daryl well daryl started it at the beginning d'antoni came and injected a little more life into it and yeah he's just a freak creation in a lab and we are seeing the the results of that but i know like we talked about there are injuries and stuff like that but why haven't they surrounded him with more complimentary pieces like kyle corver was available this year why didn't they go out and get like anything they could to get a guy like corver in that system um you know you apart from harden you got a bunch of guys throwing up 10 12 threes a game who have no business shooting that many and that to me gets where it gets kind of unwatchable um like when the Rockets shot 73s a few games back in a game and i forget what their percentage was but it 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 wasn't great like just watching a team throw up threes like it's a ymca pickup game that to me is where it gets kind of like borderline unwatchable yeah i can i can see that um I think so. I think people probably getting hardened fatigue because we've been talking about him for like 20 minutes now. So I think this is a good time we can segue in into another uh, topic and another player. And this player is actually um, maybe is too unselfish to a fault, and that's Nikola Jokic um, yes. of the Denver Nuggets. You want to talk about him for a little bit because like another guy drawing comparisons to Wilt Chamberlain. Or being thrown into sentences with Wilt Chamberlain, which is almost always a good thing. Right, and not really for his, his scoring exploits, but more for his, his all-around play. Um, so a little, little story about Jokic. Is, believe it or not, this is the first year I've ever bought League Pass, um, NBA League Pass, which is kind of crazy thinking about you know the number of years I've been an NBA fanatic. Um, so... I've really watched a lot of Nuggets games uh, because in the past I never really had a chance to, uh, to watch them unless they were on national TV and they weren't on national TV that often. Yeah, it was hardly ever. Anyway, so like Jokic it has become my league pass MVP because it's like almost every game I watch him, he does several things which make me just like drop my jaw. Like for example, there was this game. I know this is a... Um, this is not really a visual medium, but I'm going to try to describe this anyway because it was just, just an amazing play. So it happened on... Um, January 10th against the Clippers. And there was this play where the Clippers shot and Jokic went up to get the rebound. And he goes up. He gets the rebound one-handed. Yeah. As he's coming down, he rotates 180 degrees 
and throws a pass the length of the court that Tom Brady would envy. Yeah. <laughs> hits Jamal Murray. Murray dunks it. And it... And, and the ball never came down. Like he, When he got the rebound, the ball was above his head, and it remained above his head as he turned. And what's amazing is you know, his back is to Murray as Murray is streaking down the court. So he must have seen uh, Murray leak out when the shot went up, right? And then he, he has the wherewithal to grab that ball, not take the time to bring it down and just pivot and throw it the length of the court. It was, it's just, and he does things like that almost on a nightly basis. And so... Like to me, he's just he's just the most uh, fun player in the league to watch right now because he's just you know seven footers should not do things like that. Yeah, that that play was one of the most incredible things I've seen, especially from a, a man of that size, and it it comes on the on the heels of so many other ones this year that. I mean, even I think you did a great job describing that. We're not play by play guys by any means, but trying to. Trying to describe him with words doesn't do the trick. Like the one where he's on the top of the key, has the ball in the post, and just turns and kind of like wraps it around like a sidearm, like hook pass, and slings it to the opposite corner for right. a, yeah, you know whoever else was in the whoever was in the corner. And you know, there's just compilations you can see on YouTube and NBA.com or wherever of, of how many like just tip passes he does, where they'll they'll lob it into him in the post, and he just slaps it out to you know a cutting man or a guy's spot up for three um yeah i mean it's just it's beautiful to to watch what he's doing and it's not like he's a one-trick pony i mean he is the the thing he's he's averaging um i forget how many you know career high in points he's uh gets rebounds he he does everything and he recently just passed kareem abdul jabbar for the second most triple doubles in, the, in a career by a center. So he's only trailing Wilt Chamberlain for that. Um, like we said, anytime the only player who's done something better than you is Wilt Chamberlain, you're, you're in a good place. Um, but one thing interesting I read, in a, there was a Kevin O'Connor piece on, in the ring, that uh, big piece talking about Jokic. And um, one thing he mentions is that Jokic should not, he's like, Jokic shouldn't be considered their center. Like he's the team's point guard. He's the one that the offense is running through, and he's the one distributing it. Distributing it, and I think that that's uh, that's a, that's a pretty interesting and probably accurate way to look at it. Do you th- do you think that he's that giving him the center label is maybe a little misleading? I mean, we're kind of in this era of positionless basketball now, anyway, right? Like you've got Ben Simmons, who's six ten, and I guess sort of function as functions as the point guard for the Sixers, but on the defensive end, I, I don't think he's normally guarding the point guard for the other team, and you know numerous other players like that. Um, so yeah, I, he's fun, he's the facilitator on the offensive end. You know, he's not the guy bringing it up, but he's he is the facilitator. You know, he's averaging um, seven point seven assists per game, which is ninth in the NBA right now. And this is a seven-footer doing this. I mean, he's a, he has more assists per game than LeBron, than Kyrie Irving, than Damian Lillard. It's kind of crazy if you think about it because those three guys, you know, they, they have the ball in their hands a lot. They are the, the primary um, ball handler for their teams. And Jokic just is outdoing them in that stat, which is, which is kind of crazy. The only, the only seven-footer, so if Jokic can keep this up, which seems like he probably will, um, the only other seven-footer to average seven assists per game, at least seven assists per game, was Wilt. He did it twice. That, that's it. That's the complete list. 
Yeah, and that's what Wilt said that leading the league in assists was his biggest uh, career accomplishment. The thing that he would, the thing that he was most proud of. Well, yeah, but did. there's also there. There are some stories around that time that Wilt decided he wanted to lead the league in assists that year, and so he he may have passed up good scoring opportunities for himself just because he wanted to get assists. Does You're, does that does that denigrate the accomplishment to you? I don't know. I mean, like I wasn't around back then. I, I I've never really seen film to to back that up. So I don't I don't know. No, it doesn't denigrate it for me. Um, but it does it does sound like something that maybe Wilt would do. Well, let me so let me ask you about Jokic. To me, the thing I think about when I see him is it's like maybe and maybe this is a simplistic comparison just because of where he's from. You know, the general area of where he's from. But to me, it's like seeing him now is if we would have gotten Arvidas Sabonis in his prime, right? Because the Sabonis that showed up in Portland was still good. He still had some some great games and was a good player, but he definitely wasn't the the Sabonis that was dominating Europe for, for so long. And um, it's, it seems to me that Jokic is the, the closest we've seen in the NBA to that what that prime Sabonis? Do you think? Do you think that's an apt comparison? Yeah, I think that's a good. That's an apt comparison. Actually, it's kind of a timely that you bring his name up too, because I just recently finished reading the book Jailblazers, and I forget the author's name. It's Kerry something, I think. Anyway, um, and they talked a lot about that in the book about how Sabonis, by the time he had joined the Blazers, was sort of a this a shell of his former self. But even this shell was still a remarkable player and and one you know one of the things they talked about a lot in the book was his, just his passing ability and just how he you know it was amazing how a man that big threw uh such incredible touch passes and had such court vision um so yeah i think that's a good comparison i think Jokic really if i were to to have one criticism of him it's that there are times when he is just not aggressive enough looking for his shot like there have been games this year where he's taken fewer than five shots. Not a whole lot, but there have been a, a few. And, you know, that should not happen. He should not play 30 minutes and take two or three shots. That just should not happen. Yeah. Well, what about criticisms on his defense? Because even though Denver's, I think they're, they're still currently second in the West, and but they've been kind of sliding down a little bit, and teams have been really getting to them, like the Warriors – dropped uh, 51 points in the first quarter on him um, a few weeks, days, whatever. I forget how long ago it was. Um, in, in the Ringer piece, I think they talked about that teams are like, they're not afraid to attack him on the perimeter and try to bring him out because they know he, he can't guard out there. I mean, is that is that worrisome to you? Not just for Jokic as a player, but just if, for Denver to have any chance of remaining um, competitive this season. I mean, yeah, it's a concern, right? It's not just the eyes that are telling you he has some problems on the defensive end. I think a lot of the advanced defensive metrics also say the same thing, that he has a lot of work to do. Then again, he's young. What is he? I think he's still 23 years old, I believe. 23, yeah. So, you know, I, I think he still has a lot to learn. He still has a lot of room to grow on that end. I think defense is, um, you know, it's a lot about experience. It's a lot about age. It's a lot about sort of learning the tricks of the trade. And he's still so young, and I still think he can pick those things up and, and become at least a, a, you know, an average defender on the defensive end. And it, if he's an average defender, that's fine, right? Because of uh, the type of player he is in the offensive end. He's such a dynamic offensive player that if, if he's an average defender, that's probably a, a combination you'd be willing to accept. Yeah, and I, I think as a team, they're way ahead of schedule right now that they've 
they've been doing what they've been doing, even with their slumps recently, is pretty pretty damn impressive. Especially given that like Will Barton and Gary Harris have been out for you know almost all of that. They're just not getting them back. Isaiah Thomas still hasn't played, and he's going to come back. Whether or not he's going to be what he was. Um, even if he's a fraction of that, it's going to be well, he's great. Not, I mean, he's not going to be MVP candidate Isaiah Thomas yeah. anymore. But if he can be yeah. a you know, reliable scorer off the bench, that's that's good enough. Yeah. they'll have, Next season, they'll probably have Michael Porter Jr. available. Jamal Murray is turning himself into you know a pretty damn good player with career best across the board and all of his averages. And um, the Ringer article also talked about how Murray and Jokic, like their pick and roll combination has become so deadly because Jokic can essentially play both roles. You know, he can he can be the one setting the pick, he can be the one having the pick set for him and be the roller, the rollie, what you know, whatever that the two of them working off each other really is a, a pretty deadly combination. So yeah, I don't I don't even with Jokic's play, I don't think that they're their contenders this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to slide down the West um, a little bit. But, I mean, if you're a Denver fan, the future is looking pretty good. Yeah, I, I, if, if uh, the Nuggets were a stock, I'd be buying stock in, in the in the Denver Nuggets right now. Yeah, and so I want to do, this is my cheesy, um, if this was, if this is my cheesy first take, uh, Skip Bayless. Um, this is my, my Jokic take. All right, you ready for this? Sure. Jokic was playing like the Jack Nicholson Joker, but this season, he's Heath Ledger. He is the best Joker that we've ever seen. I mean, I agree with that take. Heath Ledger was was, uh, definitely the best Joker that we've seen on film. Um, All right, rank the Jokers. So Heath Ledger, number one. And I'd probably go Nicholson, number two. Nicholson, number two. Um... (laughs) <laughs> who played it in the Suicide Squad? The Jared Leto, right? Jared Leto. Oh, he was terrible. Yeah. Everything about that movie was terrible. I would rank Cesar Romero from the 60s show above him just because Cesar Romero would not shave his mustache to play the role. Oh, I know. So he, has ma- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. he has makeup over his, over his mustache. That's so bad. I don't know. Maybe I'll put him number one just for that. that oh my and God. Mark that- Hamill is the animated serious joker he's well, pretty then, good yeah it's hard to compare an animated anyway. uh you know it's hard to compare a voice actor to a to a, a live actor but as far as jokers in the nba Jokic by far the best what do you think skip all right next topic uh there's a former all-star who has to be at rock bottom i don't know how things could get any lower for carmelo anthony who's been benched and sent home by the Rockets since November or whatever it was, just this week was dealt to Chicago in a deal that was more about switching draft rights and cash considerations where he was just, you know, an ancillary part of it. The Bulls probably won't, they're not said they're not going to play him. They're going to try to either like flip him or release him or something like that. I mean, Melo's been on technically four teams in the last seven months, possibly a fifth in eight months. Um, yeah, I mean, the dude is a 10-time All-Star, All-NBA, scoring champion, all that kind of good stuff, potentially a future Hall of Famer. And I I get the criticisms of his style, his you know selfish play, ball hog, no defense, all that stuff. But, man, does the guy deserve this? Does 
does does he really deserve to be like just shopped around like he's the NBA's junk bond that they're all just trying to teams are just trying to make a profit off the transaction involving him like this does the dude really deserve this well I mean okay so I think there's that's kind of a loaded question because like I don't know Carmelo as a person saying does he deserve this it's it's kind of like me making a some sort of moral judgment about well him. just as it was, um, just as an NBA player stand like a player of his caliber yeah. Like, there, there are rumors about what kind of a guy he is in the locker room and stuff like that. I don't know if any of that's ever really been confirmed on the record, but like just from a, a player of his caliber with his resume, even even on the, the twilight of his career, does he really deserve to be passed around like a junk bond? I mean, I, okay, I don't, I don't know. It's, I still have a hard time addressing that, whether or not he deserves it. I, I think the problem is, I think Carmelo is partly to blame because I don't think he can accept that he's just not an all-star caliber player anymore. He's not that guy on the 2013-14 Knicks. That was his last great season, I would say. He's he's just not that guy anymore. And I think, like, for example, last year in OKC, uh, you know, they probably, if, if, if OKC could have had things the way they wanted, I think they probably would have brought him off the bench. He actually started all, I believe, 78 games that he played last year. But my my belief is that if they had really had you know to do it all over again they wouldn't have started him in all those games i mean i think you know a lot of the, a lot of people were talking about you know olympic mellow right and that that's that's the, that's the guy everybody thought he should sort of morph into because olympic mellow was you know a great team player and he you know kind of just uh shot a lot of three pointers and just a really effective score um because he was surrounded by great players. Um, and so, you know, you kind of had the same thing in OKC last year where you have he's surrounded by George and, um, and Russell Westbrook. And then, you know, same similar situation in Houston where he's going to be surrounded by Chris Paul and James Harden. And so they want Olympic mellow. They don't want, you know, me first, average 25 points per game mellow. And I, 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 again, I think there's that sort of disconnect in his mind. And I'm sure it's really hard, right? I mean, it's, it's really hard to accept as you get older, that you are not the athlete you once were. Like, I mean, okay, I'm on a totally different level, obviously. I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm a runner. I'm an amateur runner. And, you know, I'm in, into my late 40s now, and I'm just not the same runner I was back in my 30s. And it took me a long time to accept that. It took me a long time to accept that, hey, I just can't train the way I used to train. My body's not going to be able to handle that anymore. And my times are not going to be as fast anymore. I have to accept that. Like I have to accept um, that I'm just going to be a different kind of runner. And I, I think he just needs to accept that, look, at this point in my life, I'm a different basketball player. I'm not an all-NBA player. I'm not an all-star anymore. But I can be a really, really good player come off the bench for somebody. kind of wanted to see him make that transition, like with it. A guy with his skill set that has made a career off of shooting a lot of, I mean, basically set jumpers and things like that. He wasn't high flyer. Like he could have adapted and prolonged his career as a good role player, um, like we've seen Vince Carter do, who was that high flyer, who was um, definitely used his athleticism as as his one of his main skill sets. But he's adapted and, but you know prolonged his career and now gets you know ovations everywhere he goes uh, because. Everyone appreciates the longevity he had, and Carmelo, if nothing changes from here on out, I mean, I think his what's his reputation as a, as a as a player? Um, yeah, you know, another pl- so a player who was maybe somewhat similar to Carmelo, and this is kind of going back in time a little bit, but 
it's Bob McAdoo. So McAdoo in the 70s uh, for the Buffalo Braves was a great player. Um, MVP one season, I think three straight years, he was like in the top three in the MVP voting. So one of the best centers in the league, one of the best scorers in the league. And then late in the 70s, he started moving around from team to team, like Pistons, the Knicks, and so on. He got he got traded around a lot. And he finally ended up on the like on the Lakers in the early 80s. And the Lakers said, you know, hey, you, you are not scoring machine Bob McAdoo anymore who's going to, you know, get 20 shots a game. You're going to be sixth man Bob McAdoo who's going to help us win a title. And at that point, McAdoo finally kind of accepted that. And he was a really, really effective player off the bench for the Lakers and won a couple of titles. So... You know, hopefully uh, Carmelo's going to have that same uh, same kind of moment where the right team picks him up and they're able to convince him that, hey, you know, this is the player you need to be now in order to help us win. And so, you know, he's he's young enough, I think, that it still happen. He's old enough that he's not going to be an all-star anymore, but he's young enough, I think, he can still... He can still sort of make this decision to be a different type of player and be effective for the next several years. And will that will that also take place on the on the Lakers? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Is he going to join his buddy? Yeah, I don't I don't know if if that's a good fit or not. I, I would probably say not a good fit, um, but you never know. Who would be a good fit with that Lakers team? That's yeah, a, that, that's, that's a, yeah, that, that's a different podcast. That's another topic that's just, for that's an, the oddest collection of players I think we've ever seen. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll be something we address in a future episode. Um, so thanks everyone who listened, who stuck with us through the the long hiatus. We're gonna try they, to get this. They just thing. they were just sitting there refreshing their podcast app, yeah, waiting for something to go day. beer. Just beard growing really long, just dirt all over them. Just saying, when when is Justin gonna tell me who's good and who's not? Anyway, we're gonna try to do this thing more regularly, once a week. Hopefully, we're gonna get we're gonna get pretty regular with this, talking about the the current NBA. Maybe fewer dives into the 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 depths of Justin's statistical database that is his brain um, kind of talk about some of the stories that we see in the NBA today. So hopefully that'll be a, a nice change for you and for us. But again, thanks for listening. Um, be sure and follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chad J. Shanks. Justin is at Jake Batco. Our employer, who would also love a follow, is at StatNews or visit StatNews.com to find out about more of what we got going on there. Um, and let's tune in next week. Justin, um, I will see you next week or in 18 months, one of the two. Let's hope for the, uh, the former. All right. Bye, everybody.